You've uh, been with me long enough to know now sometimes my sense of humor uh, can be a little bit irreverent. Uh, sometimes I, I do it in good nature, uh, but sometimes it backfires on me. I was out visiting one day in a neighborhood, and uh, not here, and uh, somebody answered the door. I introduced myself, being from the church I was from, and uh, I said, uh, I'd like to invite you to church. The person told me, well, that's where I go to church. Oh, that's interesting. I said, who's the pastor there? And they said, uh, I can't I don't know who's there now. And I says, I'm him. <laughs> I'm the new pastor of the church. It's amazing that everybody connects with the church. If they've ever attended the church, they they adopt it. Everybody's got to have a church. Might not attend it. May attend it uh, infrequently or perhaps may visit every Sunday. But does it really reflect a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Uh, the first point of this morning's sermon as we look at the text is that everybody wants the security of the church. Everybody wants a place to go when they die. They, they want the good feeling of being associated with a local body of believers. Good things happen there. If there's an event in the community, this will usually be the source of benevolence and service so if you're a good citizen, a good individual, a God-fearing individual, you want to be a part of a local body of believers. But the problem is, is everybody wants this security and good feeling of belonging to a church, but they don't want the faith that's required. I want to read you a poem by D.A. Carson. And, uh, well, I'll just read it. Let's see what your response is to it. I would like to buy about $3 worth of the gospel, please. Not too much. Just enough to make me happy, but not so much that I get addicted. I don't want so much gospel that I learn to really hate covetousness and lust. I certainly don't want so much that I start to love my enemies cherish self-denial or contemplate missionary service in some alien culture. I want ecstasy, not repentance. I want transcendence, not transformation. I would like to be cherished by some nice people, forgiving, broad-minded people, but I myself don't want to love those that are, are from different races, especially if they smell. I would like enough gospel to make my family secure and my children well-behaved, but not so much that I find my ambitions redirected or my giving too greatly enlarged. I would like about $3 worth of the gospel, please. That's what most people want. They want to control what this faith makes them do or what comfortable or uncomfortableness they are exposed to. Uh, 
They want it where it doesn't make too much demands on their time, right? Uh, they don't want to be fanatical. I told people for a lot of years, and this is my confession, that it was my goal to be knowledgeable about the Bible, but I didn't want to be fanatical about its practice. I wanted to be somebody that everybody could approach and be comfortable around, not have to hide their sins. I wanted people to see me as just a regular guy. I wanted to go to heaven. It's as if we have negotiated what Christianity is. Well, with the text that we're going to expose you today to from Ezekiel the prophet, whose name, by the way, means God strengthens or sustains. That kind of suggests that Ezekiel, that his character and what his function would be in the life of the kingdom of God was going to be one that would speak to troubled times, difficult times, and that he would provide a message that would strengthen people going through difficult times, that they'd be able to sustain their witness. He's speaking to the captives, the Israelites, who are in captivity in Babylon. Uh, you, you know, you might not like the way the things are going right now in our country. You know, you think it's a mighty dark hour. There have been darker times. There have been more turbulent times. There have been times when the government was more opposed to God and his people. Ezekiel would speak to that. And so what would his message be? Well, if you read through Ezekiel, he speaks not only to a time he's president, but also to a time that is just beyond his lifespan. But he also speaks many of the prophecies that are spoken of in the book of Revelation come from direct quotes from Ezekiel. He has a foreshadowing, a knowledge of what's going to happen because this is God's plan from the very beginning. You know, we pray as Christians that you have a life that's uneventful. Free of trouble. Free of struggle. We want 3.2 children who go and have us 3.2 children. Bring all the grandchildren home. Go to church where everybody loves one another. Then the reality of it is, that's not what God intends. Whoa. Isn't that deep? And that it's the same thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he left them. Uh, I go away and you're about to experience trouble, difficulty, betrayal, persecution. And just like Ezekiel's name means, God strengthens. God helps us sustain. But we approach church from the idea that this is like a field of meadow of flowers peaceful place. And the Christian experience means we're supposed to be inoculated from trouble. And if we do get in trouble, we can pray and it's taken away. And we wonder why there are so many shallow Christians. Wonder why somebody could pen what I just wrote. I want three dollars worth of the gospel. I don't want it to get into seep into every area of my life. I don't, I don't want it to change how I view people. I don't want it to 
seep into my politics. I don't want it to seep into how I do family. I, I, I just want to go to heaven. One of the truths that we find is that spiritual depth, which we're all supposed to be trying to experience, spiritual depth does not come from exposure to preaching. If that were so, I could just give you a CD and tell you listen to it all the time. I could tell you, rip the knob off of your radio station and just set it to a Christian station. Just fill the room with Christian music and Christian teaching. And you will become a mature Christian. Be at church every time the doors are open. Read your Bible. Throw away the newspaper. I can tell you all of those things, but that doesn't create spiritual depth. You know what creates spiritual depth? Trouble. Difficulty. Trauma. Spiritual depth is experience with God. When He strengthens, when He sustains us, we are going to read Ezekiel the 47th chapter. We're not going to read it all 12 verses in one single setting. We're, we're going to grab this a little bit at a time. It's Ezekiel experiencing a vision. And in this vision, he talks about what we just illustrated. We're going to read the first three verses. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. Use your imagination on this. There was water flowing under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate, led me around on the outside to the outer gateway. Notice he's left the building. That faces the east. And there was water running out of the right side. And when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. Well, this is a detailed vision, isn't it? He measured 1,000 cubits and he, he brought me through the waters. And I want you to note, this is important. The water came up to my ankles. Have you ever had a hot water heater leak in your house? Or just imagine it. Use your imagination right now. All of a sudden, there's water coming from wherever your hot water heater is, and it's getting deeper. Your sock feet are wet. Now, at that point, you don't fear for your life. You just feel inconvenience. Uh, you feel like, oh man, that carpet is ruined. The, the, the furniture is going to be ruined. Oh no, I don't need this to happen right now. There's that initial kind of, uh-oh, trouble. But you don't fear for your life. You don't fear for your well-being. You do not feel like the bank account at your bank is going to be empty because this is going to be something we'll never recover from. It's just the beginning. 
what in the world is God doing by showing this vision to Ezekiel? Uh, we, we stopped at verse 3 because it doesn't stop there. We see first, the first initial response is ankle deep. Everybody. Here's the first truth on your outline. Everybody is given ankle deep exposure to faith. Everybody. In everybody's life there will be one time at least. Often, more often. There will be one time where you are exposed to the idea that there is trouble in my life. God, what's the answer? Should I continue on living my life? I did not anticipate this happening, but now I've got something that demands a decision from me. It's only at my ankles. You know, I'm starting to think towels. Shot back. You know, this is something I can manage. This is something that is not terrible. I'm, I'm not looking to declare a total loss at my house. It's just like, this could not happen at a worse time. Seems like it always happens on Sunday morning. One time I forgot to do my laundry. Well, I did the laundry, but I didn't dry it. Get ready to go to church. Oh yeah, go go dryer. Went to start the dryer. The dryer was dead. You ever had one of those experiences? So here I am with a hair dryer, <laughs> drying my clothes. Started thinking about a microwave. You know what would happen if you microwave it? What do we do to dry this situation up? Everybody is exposed to ankle deep faith. Isn't it funny that when the children of Israel were about to make their exodus from Egypt. And uh, Moses, played by Charlton Heston. I can't picture Moses without Charlton Heston. Sitting there with a the big staff. He comes up to the water, he holds up his staff, and the water is departed. And it says what? The children of Israel walked across on what? Dry land. Remember that? Further on down the road, they cross a similar body of water and in that situation they had to wade in in what level of water? Ankle deep water. The first time they went over in dry land. The second time it required that the priests go ahead with the Ark of the Covenant that they follow behind and it would be ankle deep. In other words it required a little faith. A little faith. A simple faith. Uncomplicated faith. Willingness. You're not risking a whole lot. In fact, most of the time when you go up and you realize you're going to get wet a little bit, you take your socks off and your shoes off. Do what? Prevent it from ruining your shoes. You may roll your pants up a little bit. I'm going to wade in because I'm going to go no further than right here. Sort of like it's controlled. Not out of control yet. Not requiring a lot of me. Just a simple step. You know, that's where we like to keep this whole matter of faith. Keep it in a controlled environment. No risk. 
still in control. I can make sure it doesn't cost me too much. Ezekiel the seventh chapter, verse four says, again, again, again meaning he's moving out a little bit further. Again he measured one thousand and brought me through the waters. Now the water came up to my what? Knees. Uh oh. The water's getting deeper. But I still feel like I can tread water. I still feel like I'm safe. Ankle deep was a matter of obedience. Knee deep was like, okay. Now the water is rising. I don't know about you. But if I'm in my house and the hot water heater broke and it's up to my knees, I'm starting now to get concerned a little bit. Baptists do a lot of uh, disaster training. We know we're going to have to cut off some sheetrock right along here now. You know, do some damage control. But the house is not lost yet. Just uh, get a little more expensive. A little more trouble. Shop back ain't going to take care of it anymore. But at the knee-deep level, if you're at the ocean, you begin to feel the undertow. There's the first sensation that what you're walking through could be more powerful than you. It's growing. It's rising. It's starting to get concerned now. This may be bigger than what I can handle. But you're still following the directions. Measured 1,000 cubic feet. Follow me. Ankle deep. 1,000 more feet. It's getting up to my knee. Start to get concerned yet? Yeah, there's a whole lot of people. If church gets difficult, they hit the door. A whole lot of people, they end up in the hospital. They're mad at God. A loved one dies. They abandon their faith. Because it's become difficult. They have no ability to sustain. No ability to strengthen. And prove they'd rather have the shallow experience. We're getting farther away. Again, he measured 1,000. He brought me through. The water came up to my what? Waste. Waste deep is where you begin to learn the movement of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I like waiting in the ocean. Usually I've got some grandkids with me. But one time it was my kids. You know, it's waist deep up to me. It's up around their shoulders on them. 
So they're hanging on to me. And so I've got my weight and the weight of two kids hanging on me. And every once in a while, when the wave goes past me, it does what? I lose my footing. There was the awareness I'm approaching a powerful situation that could overcome me. Usually my wife's at the shoreline. Come in! Come in! You're getting too far out there! You're entering into the danger zone. It's at this place and at this moment you begin thinking and contemplating am I going to have to swim? Because the water's getting higher. I'm in this situation because I've been oh it's it's been pushed on me. The temple is still in sight. But everything that I'm familiar with, I don't have deals. I don't have flippers. I'm a mammal. I like dry land. Now, I'm in waist-deep water and it's continuing to rise. I'm 3,000 feet from the security of the place on the hill. Remember, this is a vision that God's given Ezekiel. Is he going to come out and measure again and say, follow me here? Verse 5. Again, he measured 1,000. And it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. God's got you where he wants you. Still rising. A long ways from the security of where I was in control. Now in a situation where I've got to swim. Now swim or swimming takes faith. It takes faith in science, if nothing else. The buoyancy, the propulsion, the skill. The reason why people don't learn how to swim is fear. You know, I'm the guy, personally, I'm speaking about myself, I'm on the shallow end of the pool. Why? Because I can touch the bottom. And when I'm out in the ocean, I'll go just as far out as I can till I can't do what? Touch the bottom. And there'll be those occasional moments when I'm in that situation, I'll fall in a hole and I can't touch the bottom. What happens? Fear. You can swim at the shallow end of the pool. You can swim at the deep end of the pool. You can swim in the middle of the ocean. The principle of swimming works the same. They say people don't drown because they don't know how to swim. They drown because they panic and they die from fatigue. 
But that life-giving stream, what, the water, is it threatening me? Yes. That's, that's the unique thing about this vision that Ezekiel's given. Where is this water coming from? It's coming from the throne room. Meaning, God put them in this situation. We don't like to think of that. All good things come from God. You mean they're in the hospital because God put them there? Uh, I know you don't want to hear this, but yeah. God puts us in situations. You know that thing we always tell people? You know the Bible says God will not put you in any situation that you cannot handle. That's a lie. He puts you in situations just like what's here. You can't touch the bottom. How else is he going to teach you faith? How else is he going to strengthen your dependence on him? How else? It's got to be tested. Some of you have been to boot camp. Did you know when you go to boot camp, there's a segment of your training where they're actually shooting live ammunition above your head? Yeah. Why? How do you know what you're going to do in a real live combat situation unless you've been in one? In the Navy, which I have a few Navy people in my background that tell me, they try to drown you in boot camp. They actually send somebody out, go out there, put them in a full field pack, put them in a pool, and try to drown them. You've got to be put in those situations where faith is activated. It's not going to be you. It's going to be your dependence on what God is telling you. You know, when I go out in the ocean, I want a reference to the land. <laughs> you know, I'm okay as long as I can see the land out there. But when you reach a point where you're so far out you can't see the land in any direction, you've got to trust what? Instruments. Technology skill of a captain. His life-giving stream is coming from the throne. Now we're going to finish the text. Look at verse 6. Remember he's in, in a situation where he's got to swim. He's in a river. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. Took you out of the situation. Put you back in the safety. And in the timeout, the coach says, What just happened? What did you learn? How are you going to be different the next time the waters rise? When I returned, verse 7, there along the bank of the river were many, many trees on one side and the other. And then he said to me, this water 
flows towards the eastern region, goes down in the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be very great multitude of fish, because these waters go there. For they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Ingliam. They will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food. Their leaves for medicine. The water that's threatening your life or threatened your life just a few minutes ago is necessary. It's actually going to provide. It, it heals. It strengthens. But the people over there in the marshlands, the place in the swamp, they don't view it as that. They curse it. They don't understand its usage. You've got to understand how the river flows and what the river flow accomplishes. Whoa. You ever heard anybody ever tell you what doesn't kill you makes you better? And some people get bitter. Other people see it as a testimony. One of the greatest things that I've often heard from people trying to make sense of life is why does bad things happen to good people? The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Unique that it uses water that way, meaning storms come in the life of unbelievers, come in the life of believers too. The difference is what it accomplishes. Ezekiel's about a mile and a half from the door of the temple. But notice this miraculous provision. Remember this vision's given to Ezekiel to tell the captives in Babylon who can't go to the temple. Can't keep the feast. They're in a strange land. They live in a life where it's hard. The message coming from Ezekiel that was applicable to them, applicable to us, and applicable to the generation, could be us, that will face 
hard times near the end of this age. I provide. And I will use it to bless you and strengthen you. To teach you deep faith. That's where we get that expression, deep faith. Deep faith is not having a lot of head knowledge. Or a lengthy time of having been in the church. Deep faith means you've been in the deep places. The troubled places. Places where you had to actually put to work the things you have been taught. It says you will emerge from this deep place with a very tangible experience of God's provision. You know, as we sit here in the sanctuary this morning and the numbers are few, it may get fewer. So that means when the story of this church moves to its next chapter, I want you to remember what you see right now. Low attendance. Because what's about to happen, God's going to do. What you will have that some of the new people coming in will not have is you have been here when things were sparse and difficult and hard and frightening. Remember, there's a whole lot of people who don't want to get any more than ankle deep. There's some people when it starts getting knee deep, start getting concerned. There's a whole lot of people that will bail out at waist deep. But if you have to start swimming, start trusting, the gift of it is true abiding faith. Deep faith. Probably overuse it, but it is an experience God gave me. I have been looked at by a doctor and told that he didn't think I was going to live very long. I've experienced that. Not once, twice. I'm in fairly good health right now. Could visit it again. But the gift of being looked at by a doctor with all his degrees and with the backing of a team looking at you and saying, there's a good chance you're not going to survive this. Is once I trusted God through it, I never fear that conversation again. I've been there. It doesn't doesn't move me or whatever. The same way, if if you're carried into a situation and you're able to swim out of it, you know you can handle yourself in difficult situations. When the water's ankle deep, you say this ain't nothing. When it's knee deep, you say this ain't nothing. When it's waist deep, you're unmoved by it. You just continue doing what God has called you to do. Do you want deep faith? You know, that is an invitation to be taken to situations you can't control. Where you're in above your skill set. You're in above your resources. But you know God's directing. Oh, you still can see the temple. But he keeps measuring. All right, we're going out another thousand more feet. No, Lord. I'm all right right here. 
No. See that river? Cross it. You're going to have to swim. And sitting on the shore. That's the beauty of these situations. It gives you the explanation. An explanation you wouldn't listen to when it was shallow. An explanation you wouldn't listen to when it was knee deep or waist deep. You wouldn't even listen to it when you're in the middle of the hurricane. But over on the dry land, he says, look. Maybe this is not a good analogy. You know, a hurricane comes through here and does a lot of destruction. A whole lot of people get new roofs. <laughs> you know that? A whole lot of people get a better dwelling than what they had beforehand. God, do whatever you need to do in this church and in my life. Even if it gets a little rocky, show me the deep things. Let's pray.